Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of This Show is All About You, a show about all the ways in which you and me become we and what that means for all of us. I am your host, J.D.K. Winnikin. You can find out more about me at my website, wordsbyjdk.com, and on my social media feeds at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I'd like to welcome you to uh, today's episode. This is episode 19 of this show for May 17th, 2021. And this month, uh, we've been talking all about play. I do a theme every month for those of you who are new to the show. And this month's theme is play, the importance of it, uh, not just for kids, as it turns out, it's vital for children, uh, but also for adults. And I've been putting out what I've called uh, JDK's May Play Challenge uh, all month and uh, asking you guys to kind of examine your own past and present uh, with play and uh, maybe consider incorporating a little bit more of it into your lives as uh, we move into the summer months, as we come out of the pandemic and we're reconnecting with ourselves and other people. Uh, play, this is as good an opportunity as ever to reconstitute it in your life. And so we've been talking about that all month. And I'm really glad, actually, that we've been talking about this all month because this is a really fun topic. Uh, like so many of the topics that I do, you know, when I focus on something for a month, um, I start seeing it everywhere, right? It's like that old story. If, if you buy a red sports car, you start seeing red sports cars everywhere. Uh, so this month, as I've been talking about play, I've been seeing it everywhere. And uh, today, I'm going to tell you a story of how I, what I saw over the weekend uh, with this. Uh, and so uh, this kind of gives you a hint as to what we're going to talk about today. Today's title of today's show is My Fly Day, Play Day. My Fly Day, Play Day. And uh, I start every show with a haiku, and uh, this uh, show's haiku for this week is, I can't ever find my way up into the air unless I leap now. I can't ever find my way up into the air unless I leap now. And, and if it sounds like I'm going to be talking about maybe airplanes and stuff today, yeah, I am a little bit. Uh, and it, it requires a little bit of, of backtracking here to explain uh, why I'll be talking about this, but... Uh, I work uh, and, and help with an organization called uh, Airway Science for Kids, and it's, it's based down in Portland. And uh, they do wonderful work. They help uh, connect underserved, under-resourced youth with various uh, career pathway options in aviation and aerospace. And, and you may not know this, but there are literally hundreds of available career options out there for people who want to get into aviation and aerospace. Most people think it's usually if you just want to become a pilot or something like that. And that's certainly one of them. Uh, but it's not the only one, and and not only that, but but opportunities in aviation and aerospace can be great introductions uh, for kids to all facets of life skills that can be beneficial to them. There's a social element. There's certainly the investment in science and learning that, and learning math, and uh, this organization, uh, Airway Science for Kids, or ASK as we call it, helps facilitate those types of things for kids who are interested but don't necessarily have the resources to find their way into those careers. And so this weekend, uh, for the first time, really obviously since uh, the pandemic began, ASK did two of its first in-person events uh, on Friday and Saturday. And so I went down to, drove down to Portland for that. And the reason why I'm telling you this is because I saw play everywhere <laughs> at both of these events. And it got me thinking about, I think, an important element about play that I'll, I'll get to shortly. But uh, these events obviously are, are kid-centered uh, for the most part because that's the nature of the organization. But the event on Friday was a, was a teacher appreciation event. We, we partner with a lot of different schools in the Portland area 
and educators. And so coming off Teacher Appreciation Week, we wanted to do something to have teachers come in and just have a really good time at our building. And uh, it was really fun. And I'll tell you one story about that in a minute. And then the next day, uh, there was, I guess, what you could call a fly day, uh, where a, uh, a organization of private pilots uh, set aside a day where they would donate their plane and their fuel time uh, and their flight time to kids who had never flown in a small plane before. They could take them up there for free and fly them around. And uh, it was a gorgeous day on Saturday down in down in Oregon, uh, what they call a five mountain day, where you can see uh, five mountains of the Cascade Range in Oregon, uh, all from, you know, wherever you're sitting in the cockpit. It's like a 200 mile range, too. It's crazy. So it was a beautiful day. And that was the idea. And both events, of course, meant to to show that there were plenty of options uh, for kids uh, to get involved in aerospace. But what I noticed, keeping my eyes open for play all the time, was how the kids played in this and what they showed. So, for example, at the teacher appreciation event, there was a seven-year-old girl there. And one of the things they had set up was a drone racetrack. And so there were all these little drones, each one about the size of a craft single uh, piece of cheese. And they had little game controllers like you would get on a video game. And with a little bit of instruction, you know, you could fly them and you would fly them through this obstacle course. Like some of them were like pool noodles that were standing straight up and you had to zigzag through them. There were hula hoops that were hanging from the ceiling and you could steer them through there and that type of thing. And it took a little bit of skill. And the teachers were having a great time talking about play, right? Here are these teachers who've had, let's, let's be honest, uh, a brutal year, <laughs> you know, and, have, and came in and were having a great time playing with all the stuff that, are, that was in this building. But the drone races were a big hit. And so they're zooming things through. But it was this little seven-year-old girl who absolutely nailed and aced this course. Uh, by the end of the night, she was taking these little drones and, like, doing flips with them in the air that nobody else could figure out how to do, zigzagging them through the course and then taking it all over the place. This same little girl uh, sat down at one of the flight simulators in the building and got a little bit of instruction from one of the instructors, but then managed to uh, take off fly and land a Cessna 172 uh, managed to do that and was focused on that and she she made a, a metal model plane at one point and you couldn't help but notice her not just because she was obviously being super active but because she was having a blast and she was for the most part on her own her mom was with her on occasion but for the most part was doing this all on her own and was having just a wild wild blast of a time talk about play Right? It was open-ended, as we've talked about. It was kid-centered, kid-controlled. It wasn't being timed. And she wasn't doing anything but just enjoying what she was doing in that moment. And that's, that's the key. Coming back to that in that moment is what we'll come back to. But before we do that, I want to tell you about the next day. Okay, so the next day, went out to this uh, private air park west of Portland, out in the countryside near Hillsboro. And all these private pilots had gathered there, and they all had their own aircraft. And, and after taking all the kids who had gathered who were wanting to go up uh, for a flight, and this was something that, that Ask had sponsored, uh, started, to, you know, gave them a little briefing, talked a little bit about what it was going to be like, and started kind of sorting out which kids were going to go in which planes. And uh, it, was a great, it was a really great event. 31 kids got to go up in an airplane for the first time. And uh, we watched really closely. When those planes landed, you, know, you never know, right? Maybe a kid's going to get airsick. Maybe a kid's going to be scared. Maybe they'll just be like, no, that's not for me. Nope. Every single kid who got out of one of those planes was grinning ear to ear. Some of them even hopping and skipping over to their families and saying they wanted to do it again. One young lady who had 
who had told us that she was very interested. She was actually getting into drones herself, but was very interested in finding some sort of advanced career in, in aerospace. Got off her flight, came walking over to her mom, and I happened to be standing there, and just said, looked at me and said, well, there's no going back for me now. <laughs> it was, you know, and it was, it was really fun. And for all of them, I mean, they all had different thoughts. Like some said, I, I couldn't believe how quiet it was, or I couldn't believe, you know, some of the kids had never literally been off the ground before. So they were seeing the world literally in new ways. And, and one of the great gifts about flying in that sense, uh, and there could be many other forms of play, is that it provides exactly that. If you think back to previous episodes, we've talked about the, the reason why play is so important for kids and adults alike is because it is centered in the prefrontal cortex of the brain, which is where all executive functioning really grows and becomes influential across the rest of the brain. And so obviously for kids, executive functioning is where their emotional maturity and uh, sophistication develops, where their problem-solving skills develop, all those things that are needed to effectively navigate in healthy ways through life are right there. And so what I noticed in all of this, to bring it back to this in-the-moment idea, was I noticed that for these kids, this, these p- moments of play, whether it was the seven-year-old flying the drones or there was all these kids of various ages getting off these planes and wanting to do it again and dreaming big, every single one of them was in the moment. And... It got me thinking about the importance of being present in play, right? And it's something that I think is really important. We tend to plan out a lot of things, right? When we plan out the excitement that we have for a vacation or, or an event or going on a trip or that type of thing, we want to maximize our time, right? We want to enjoy things. And, and so then we kind of put parameters on things. And to a certain degree, that's unavoidable, right? That seven-year-old girl couldn't just play for eight hours. The event was only going to go for three. So... Clearly, there are those time parameters. But what's more important, I think, what I'm talking about is particularly with flying stuff, you have to be present in order to be able to do it effectively and enjoy it. If you think about it, nobody wants to be on an airplane with a really distracted pilot, distracted by his or her uh, past, what's going on, or his or her problems, or what's going to happen in the future, or they're not in the best mood. No, we all want a pilot who is very present, <laughs> right? And pilots themselves will talk about, uh, and sometimes struggle, I've noticed, to talk about the feeling they have when they're up in the cockpit, oftentimes flying by themselves, but what that feeling is. Uh, they can often struggle with it, but it's present. It's being present in the moment. And you can't be an effective pilot and not be present when you're doing it. Because if you're not, then some problems are much more likely to occur if you aren't present. And the lesson I started drawing from that as I thought about it more and I was on my drive back yesterday was, wow, that's what makes the best play play is being in the moment. Uh, take yourself take yourself back. I, I think of, of the times, so many times when I was a kid and I'd be engaged in play either on my own or with friends and suddenly time just goes flying by. I started like right after lunch and all of a sudden it's dinner time. That's being present, right? just having the rest of the world go away, the rest of everything else go away and just locked in on those things, locked in on that make-believe or on those toys we're playing with or, or uh, whatever it might be or a game we were playing. Watching these kids, I had one kid, I heard him ask his mom, how long, how long were we up there? And it was only like 10 or 15 minutes, most of those flights. 
And so mom said so, and kid said, wow, I felt like we were up there for hours. And <laughs> just big smile on his face, right? And also saw some other things that I think are, 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 are things that we see with effective play. Seeing kids challenge themselves in a way and do something they never thought they'd do. There was one kid, he was 15, who came with his parents, and he took a look at those small planes and was like, uh, no, I'm not going up in that plane. And, but his parents managed to present a way to look at it that kind of got him excited about it. He has two older brothers who were not there that day, and they said to him, wait a minute, you can go up in a small plane, which neither one of your brothers has done, your older brothers. You can take photos, you can put them all on Instagram, and you can have a one-up on those guys. You can do something that they haven't. And that kind of got him thinking about it. And so he finally jumped into this plane, and he got one that really zips around. Uh, and so he took off in this plane, and, uh, and he came back. And when I asked him how it was, he said, oh, it was amazing. He said, I didn't know we were going to go that high. I, you know, the bubble canopy, he could see in all these different directions. He'd never had a feeling like that before. And come to find out that he had been struggling with quite some time with being afraid of heights. And this was kind of a big deal for him, even though he downplayed it quite a bit. His parents knew this was a big deal for him. And so he got into a plane, a small plane, next to a pilot that he had just met and conquered this, you know, showed that he could do something that he didn't maybe think he could have done. Play provides that, right? When kids get to, or even adults, when we get to create situations in play where we are sort of trying things out in this world of our own making, or experiencing something that maybe we've thought about before but have never done, our brains and our bodies adjust to them. And they want to learn how to do those things. And so that was the fun part for me. Is with As much as I love airplanes, and I do love airplanes, uh, as much as I love that, that's what I really loved watching with those kids. And then I realized another layer underneath this is one reason why I was enjoying it so much is because I connected to it so deeply and it reminded me of times in my life where I have been super present with the play that uh, that I do and the effect that that has had on me in my life so much so that I still remember some of these things from when I was a really young kid some 40 some years later so I will ju- I'll jump into a couple of those stories uh, when we come back after a short little break here on this show is about you talk a little bit more about play and uh, put forward my challenge for you to be thinking about for next week. All right, we'll be right back. Stick around. Feelings of disconnect are the cause of an ever-surging mental health crisis. Many of us feel apathetic about ourselves, our work, home, and relationships. We don't know how to re-engage. I'm Greg Kuyper of Kuyper Counseling. At the Root focuses on emotional connection and how awareness is at the root of building healthy relationships with self and others. Join me weekly to re-engage with both. At the Root airs Mondays at 3.30 p.m. here on KKNW. Subscribe to the podcast or go to Kuyper Counseling. This is Rob Bates, and I want you to tune in to Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacey Howard. The show that brings joy from pain, sunshine where it rains. Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacey Howard. And that's coming from me, Mr. It Takes Two, Rob Bass. Tune in. Do what Rob Bass says. Take a listen to Don't Ask Me to Talk with Stacey Heller. That's me. Tuesdays from 3 to 4 on KKNW. To find out more information, check out my website, stacyconnects.com, or text D-A-M-T-T to 55678. Alternative Talk 1150. It's good for what ails you. 
This statement has not been evaluated by the FDA. <laughs> Welcome back to this show is all about you. I'm your host, JDK Winnikin. We're continuing our discussion about play. And I was uh, before the break, I was talking about my experience over the weekend uh, down doing some aviation activities with the organization that I work for, Airway Science for Kids. And uh, talking about how present these kids were who were doing these, these events that had been put together for them, these activities have been put together for them. And it got me thinking uh, more, you know, more broadly about you know, the best play that we can have is when we're really present with what we're doing. If you think about it, our bodies and our brains, which of course work together, are designed to keep us going in this moment. That is their job. And so when our consciousness um, is in the same place, when we are present, Everything is working together as it should be. And that's when I think we are the most connected to those moments that we enjoy, we play. It's also the moments when, when, we, when we're needing to be connected to other things that maybe aren't as fun, with grief or loss or even at work, trying to get things done. Being present, those things all working together in an integrated fashion uh, brings us to whatever situation at our best. And what's fun to watch kids, particularly kids who are from underserved populations or under-resourced, experience these things. What's so great about that is that it gives them the opportunity to see that those types of things are possible for them. And it doesn't necessarily need to be about airplanes, right? In this case, in this case it was. So and I would talk about myself in this category. Now, I am not, I'm not a pilot. I've never taken flying lesson. I've never done any of those things. And yet I love airplanes and they kind of take you back in the Wayback Machine, uh, you go back to when I was about six years old, maybe seven, living in Hawaii at the time, um, I loved airplanes. It was one of the first words I could say uh, as a toddler, and it's been a fascination my entire life. I never became a pilot for lots of reasons. I kind of gave up on that dream in high school, but uh, it has had an effect on me, this love of airplanes my entire life. And maybe by telling you this story, uh, it can help illustrate it. Uh, I lived on the Big Island of Hawaii when I was a little kid on, in a town called Hilo. Some of you may have been there. Uh, it's on the eastern side of the island. Kona is the more famous. That's the resort side of the island, the west side of the island. But back in the 1970s, uh, Kona wasn't a big thing yet. And so there were two places that you could really fly into in Hawaii. Uh, you could fly in Honolulu or you could fly into Hilo. And then you'd have to take little inner island flights everywhere else. And so when I was about five or six loving airplanes, every day, all these big 747 and DC-10 wide-body jumbo jets would fly in from the West Coast and land at Hilo. And they all kind of came in around the same time. And then they all took off around the same time. And fortunately for me, uh, they all took off about a half hour after I got out of preschool slash kindergarten, first grade, whatever it might be. And my parents, understanding that I really enjoyed this, would, whenever they could, whenever it worked, drive me down to the very end of the runway at Hilo's airport, which just had a chain link fence, a little barbed wire at the top, but a very clear shot of the very end of the runway where the planes would come out, almost pointed right at me, would turn in profile so I could see them in all their glory, and then they would turn, keep turning, and then gun it down the, the runway and take off into the distance. And I loved to sit there. I would get out, I would hop up either on the, the hood of the car or on the roof of the car so that I could get a better look at these planes going by. And it was my favorite thing to do. When I would hear them fly over, if I was sitting at my house, I would hear them fly over, I'd run out and see which, what kind of plane it was, and I'd watch it for as long as I could. So this was a really big deal for me. And uh, one day, I was out there with my mom, 
And uh, my parents were so patient on this. It must have just been, <laughs> after a while, it must have been fairly tedious. But nevertheless, uh, we were out there one day in this big United Airlines 747. You know, I love the big jumbo jets, you know. And, and it came taxiing out, and it slowed. But then right as it was about to turn onto the runway, it stopped. And all of a sudden, up in the cockpit, on top of that bubble top of 747, the, the window opened up, and the captain of the, of the plane started waving at me. And as my mom uh, put it so gently, you lost your mind. <laughs> I lost my mind. I started jumping up and down. I actually dented the hood of the car. <laughs> and uh, my parents were very, uh, were very forgiving about that, thankfully. But then he waved at me. I waved back, right, thrilled beyond belief. And then he pulled his arm in, closed up that window, and gunned that plane and took off. And it was really after that that suddenly everything became about airplanes. And I wanted to know everything that there was to know about them. And when we started flying on flights to go visit family on the mainland, my parents would do everything they could to help me meet the pilots. And back then you could, you know, if you're a little kid, you could sometimes go up into the cockpit and those types of things. And I got to do that. And so I got to see what the cockpit looked like and look out the window forward rather than just sideways and all these things. And so I loved all of it. And I've told this story to, you know, my family's heard me tell it, my friends have heard me tell it, now you're hearing me tell it. And I tell the story not, and it's not really just because I love airplanes. That's one thing. But it's also because of, and you can probably hear it in my voice, <laughs> the excitement, the enjoyment, and the wonder that that came for me. I was amazed, I still am, that these hundred, several hundred ton uh, pieces of equipment can take off with a ton of people in them, fly five miles above the earth, for hours and hours at a time and land wherever they want, for the most part, on the other side of their route and do it safely and then do it over and over and over again. To a six-year-old kid, that was a marvel. And think of all the questions that popped up in my mind. How is that possible? How can something that's made of metal fly like that? How do the engines do that? How does it stay How does it, how do people breathe up there? You're flying higher than Everest, right? So it, 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 triggered all these questions and got me, of course, so interested in all those things. And then when I found out later that the top pilots in the world could become astronauts, it could go into space, then it brought a whole bunch of questions about that. How, how do you go to space? Why do you need rockets to do that? Wait a minute, you can burn up on your way back in? Things burn? Wait, what? There are all these questions that, even though I was never a huge science kid, that's the science that I liked, was that stuff. And it's still the science that I like, and I still learn a lot about it. But what it did was it triggered all these questions in my mind and got me thinking about the world around me in new ways. Because of airplanes, I started to appreciate that the world was much bigger than just the place that I lived in. And I wondered who the people were who were coming to visit Hawaii and where were they from? Why were so many of them different? I heard different languages all the time. People who looked differently, going through all the tourist areas where I lived. It brought all those questions to the forefront for me. And when I got into history later in life, I was really interested in the two world wars and I loved all the aviation stories. I still do. And when I, as, as I got older, I would get to know more pilots and would talk to them. This was always something that brought up that playful side in me. And with that playful side came inquisitiveness, came energy, came excitement, came thinking about possibility one of the things I love about working uh, in aviation still to this day is I learn something literally new every single day. <laughs> or I hear a story that I can't even believe was true. 
but I can actually verify is true, you know, talking to various people or reading about it. It's a wonderful thing. And so when I think about these kids that I watched the other day, I saw myself in them. And I think that's, that's one of the things that resonated so deeply. And the fact that they were so present with it was so exciting. But what also you could tell was they were thinking, wow, if I can do that, what else can I do? If that can feel this good, what else can feel that good? If I can face a fear or do something new that so many other people maybe haven't done, what, is that, what else does that mean I can do? That's the wonder of working with this kind of organization or any organization that looks to do this. It's not, in this case, about aviation by itself. It's about what inspires, excites, brings out the playful, the joyful, the creative, right? the problem-solving side, which helps that, that frontal, prefrontal cortex grow and integrate all these things together. It just happens to be for these kids that on this day or in those events, uh, aviation was the pathway and the avenue to that. It can come from just about anywhere, and that's the beauty of play. It is really only limited by our imaginations <laughs> and by our willingness to let ourselves be in the moment, enjoy, not worry about what it looks like, not worry about what time it is, <laughs> not worry about what it might mean, to not overanalyze it, but to be in the present. And so I wanted to add that to our calculus this week, talking about what play is. And so the challenge for you next week, though, is uh, I would like you all to be maybe, you know, find a story of play, like maybe like the one I just told, and tell it to somebody else. Tell it to your partner. Tell it to your kids. Tell it to your, your parents. Tell it to a friend of yours. Or ask somebody else to share a story about play with them that kind of fits all these categories that we'll be talking about. And see what comes up and see how that conversation goes and see how you feel with all of that. What does it bring up for you? What does it remind you of when you were younger that you were excited about? Because next week, I am going to bring in a guest who I'm going to ask a lot of these questions to. And we're going to talk a little bit about what play uh, was like for each of us when we were younger and what it might suggest. So if, you, uh, if you're willing and, and available next week, uh, make sure you show up for that episode or catch in on the podcast, uh, the podcast on your favorite platform later on. So until next time, uh, I am your host, J.D.K. Winnikin. Thanks for sticking around for this episode of This Show is All About You. And we will see you next week. And until then, chins up, everyone. Thank you.